When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 51. Cubs break the Bronx curse. Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email Crawley and I at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy Sunday and uh, happy the beginning of uh, the All-Star break. Yeah, a little bit of a, a nice way to kind of go into the break with the Cubs for the first time ever in the history of the franchise, taking a series in the Bronx. So how, how exciting is that? Pretty wild. I mean, I knew they hadn't had a whole lot of success there, um, having been swept in the World Series, you know, almost 100 years ago, 90 some years ago. Right. But uh, I didn't realize that they had not won any of the games there. So that was pretty cool uh, to see. Yeah, and so I, I look at this and I kind of, uh, you know, it was like, it's been a weird season. It's been up, it's been down, but personally, I'm just happy that, that it went out on a good note. Absolutely. Yep, it went out on a good note. Um, that was the way to uh, wrap up the uh, the first half. And the and, and probably, Crowley, Crowley, the best news was, is that uh, Jamison Tyone went on Friday and had a really good outing, probably his best outing as a Cub. Oh, clearly his best outing as a Cub, and this is why I don't gamble. I would have bet the clubhouse that that Tyone had no chance. Uh, it, it was in game one. You had Jamison versus Carlos Rondon, and the Cubs won this one three nothing. And so, like you know, we talked about in their history, the Cubs were zero and eight in regular season play in New York, zero and four between the thirty two and thirty eight World Series games. I even went to an exhibition game when they opened the new Yankee stadium. My dad and I went out there, Cubs played the Yankees before the start of the season. They got their butt kicks in that one. And so, you know, not thinking a lot's going to happen. Cody Bellinger led off the scoring with the solo home run in the third. Nico drove in a run in the fifth and Patrick wisdom had an RBI double in the seventh to put the Cubs up three to nothing. It was wisdom's first extra base hit since May 28th and his first double since May 17th, as we're sitting here on July 19th. Uh, but the question here is Cody Bellinger, man, two for three, and he had a cre- reached a career high 13 game hitting streak. He's had two 12 game hitting streaks, but you know he's batting 479, 23 for 48 with a 1.167 OPS, three doubles, two homers, 12 runs scored, and seven RBIs during this 13 game run dating to June 24th. His 479 average since June 24th leads the majors. Dustin, we're going to have to talk about this a lot, unfortunately, just because of the Cubs position of where they're in. But the question you got to ask is, do the Cubs try to either extend Cody or trade him while his value is high? 
It's a great question, Crawley. Um, he was the guy that I predicted way back when the season first started. Who do you most expect to get traded? It was him. Um, his value is super high right now. But if you were going to try to extend another Cub in season, I would pick him over Marcus Stroman. I just wonder and haven't really heard any baseball guys speculate. Maybe you have. You know, what exactly – is the marketplace for Cody Bellinger because somebody had mentioned I've read either on social media or somewhere that um, he might be debuting, uh, not debuting, you know, showcasing his talents for the Yankees this past weekend out in New York, that that could potentially be a landing spot for him. Right. As the Cubs have been inconsistent offensively, so have the Yankees and, you know, he, he look, I'm sure he would love to hit to that short porch, it, you know, in, in Yankee stadium, but I mean, the question you have to ask yourself, you know, that, that, you know, Tyone, or I'm sorry, Bellinger has to ask himself, you know, self is if the Cubs come up with a pretty good number, I mean, do you want to bet on yourself to think I'm going to finish this out and, and really parlay that later or take the first offer he gets from the Cubs or maybe not the first offer, but not engage with any other teams. That's the question. So th these are all going to be, these next three weeks for Cubs fans are going to be fascinating as we kind of look and see what the direction of this team ends up being. Yep. It's going to be very, very interesting couple of weeks here. No doubt about that, but let's uh, get into Jamison Tyon a little bit more here. Ooh. After struggling most of the season, he saved his best start of the season for the last start of the first half. He got an ERA close to seven coming into the game. He pitched uh, past the fifth inning only once the whole season that was, he went one time into the sixth inning, but on Friday night, he goes eight scoreless innings of one hit shutout ball. He gave up two walks, had four Ks. The only hit he gave up was to a single, the former club cub Glabar Torres in the first inning. And then he retires 22 of the next 24 batters he faced. Adbert closed it out in the ninth. So Tyone is the first pitcher with at least eight innings and one or fewer hits allowed on the road at Yankee Stadium since Baltimore's Daniel Cabrera did it in 2006. Only two other pitchers have done that since 1990. And I, they were good names, so I had to throw them in. Bartolo Colon in 2000 did it, and Pedro Martinez in 1999. Wow, only, that's going back in the time machine a little bit, yeah. Not only that, Tyone's the first former Yankee to go at least eight frames and allow no more than one hit in a game at Yankee Stadium, either old or new. But nobody saw this coming from Tyone Dustin. Why do you think, what caused this start? Was there a mechanical adjustment, you think? Or some people said just being back at Yankee Stadium, the good, you know, the lack of good lefties in the Yankees lineup, or just pure baseball luck? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, option number three. And he even mentioned it. I believe I heard him say this in the broadcast, early in the broadcast on Saturday's game. Um, he said it was it was nice to not have uh, a bunch of lefties stacked against him, right? So I think that's probably the reason. I know he was working on a lot of stuff with uh, Tommy Hadovy, so um, that might have been part of it. Being back at Yankee Stadium, he may have been motivated. I don't know why he wouldn't have been motivated before, but maybe. Uh, and then pure baseball random luck. That that would be my <laughs> order. I think I think all four though are part of it, but I think it was the lack of uh, good lefties in that Yankee lineup. I'd probably agree. You remember when we talked about last time, we talked about Anthony Rizzo being in an awful, awful slump. And so the Yankees only had three lefties in the lineup. Two of them are former Cubs. But uh, Anthony Rizzo, who's been struggling, struggling. He's on the struggle bus big time. Billy McKinney, who is, uh, um, you know, is another one. He's hitting 239. 
And then Frenchie Cordero isn't even hitting his weight. He's hitting 158. So that's the thing about Tyone. He has been killed by lefties this entire season. When you look at the splits, the hits are about the same. He's given up 41 hits to lefties and 37 hits to righties. But get this, he gives up 11 home runs to lefties versus two to righties. When you talk about strikeouts, right, he's only struck out lefties 26 times, but righties he struck out 37 times. And then when you look at the OPS, the on-base plus sugging, 1.002 for lefties, but 618 for righties. So just so much more dominant against righties than he is lefties, and it's just bizarre. Yep, so it was a great way to get the uh, series started Friday night in the Bronx, and they got up uh, fairly early, game two, a day game. Drew Smiley, Garrett Cole. Yeah, the Cubs are going to lose this one 6-3, and it just wasn't the greatest game. The offense only had three runs on five hits and one walk. They were they only had they were one for four with runners in scoring position, so you just didn't even have opportunities. Uh, Nico Horner ground up that scored Miles Masterboni in the third and a two-run home run by Mike Talkman with Masterboni along for the ride. That accounted for all three runs for the Cubs. But again, you're going up against Garrett Cole, who improved his record at 9-2. and two. I wasn't going to get upset about this one. Cole makes a lot of teams look bad. And when you and I were making our predictions on the last show, you know, we all said, oh, Garrett Cole versus Drew Smiley. Yeah, that's a loss. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we felt even stronger about game number two being a loss than game number one, even though neither one of us were willing to throw any support behind Jamison Tyone for good reason. But this was the one, you know, the problem with uh, Drew Smiley so far that's been uh, unsettling is now he's giving up home runs and he was not doing that earlier in the year. Yeah, and so when we look at this, right, he, he gave up a solo home run to Giancarlo Stanton in the first, gave a solo home run to Josh Donaldson in the second. He gave up a bases loaded double to Harrison Bader in the third. So he's given up runs in the first three innings. It's four to one. Michael Rucker replaced Smiley in the fifth and gave up a two-run homer to Giancarlo Stanton, his second of the game, and he was hitting him hard. And then Assad mopped up, mopped it up with three innings of shutout ball. But when we go back to Smiley, he went four innings pitch, he gave up six hits, four runs, four walks and three Ks along with those two home runs. But our friend, Michael Cerami, who's been on the show, he put up this tweet and I, I, I kind of pulled it out there in his first 10 starts. Smiley went 55 innings pitch with a 2.60 ERA 23.3 Ks versus 5.5 base on balls. 85.4 mile per hour was the average exit velocity, 29% hard, hard hit percentage and 5.8% barrel. And then when you look at his last, you know, and we talked about those first 10 starts, Dustin, we would always say he gives you enough to win the game, right? But looking at these last seven starts, he's gone 34.2 innings pitch. He has a 6.49 ERA. So his ERA jumps up four runs. His K rate, 15%. That's almost down 10%. His walk rate, 10.8%, up five more percent. 89.1 uh, exit velocity. So People are hitting the ball on average four miles per hour harder. Hard hit percentage up about 10% and barrels are up for about 2%. So in every statistical category in the last seven games, he has been struggling. And with the Cubs already having one guy struggling mightily with Jamison Tyone, you can't have two guys struggling like this. No. And again, walks and home runs are never a good recipe. So that was game two. So we're all even one, one takes us into today, Sunday, uh, Kyle Hendricks going against Jermaine, who uh, was coming off a of perfecto, right? The perfecto was the game before the game last before. Game. Okay. okay. So that was against Oakland and, and you're a little nervous about this one, but, but the Cubs will take it seven to four. Kyle Hendricks pitched. Okay. He gave up four run. 
Um, his old teammate, Anthony Rizzo, hit an RBI double to put the Yankees up one nothing. After that, he's cruising along until the sixth inning when, with one on and two out, Anthony Volpe hit a homer, but followed by a home run by Kyle Higashioka to give the Yankees a 4-1 to lead. So that's the first time this season that Hendricks surrendered multiple home runs in a game. Just an important note, though. You say, okay, he gave up two home runs in the inning. That home run by Higashioka was what they call a unicorn homer per baseball savant. And what that means <laughs> is yes, that – Yes, please explain. <laughs> yeah, it was a homer because of that short porch in Yankee Stadium. So in all the 29 other parks in Major League Baseball, it wouldn't have been a home run. So it's not like the one that Giancarlo Stanton hit off a, a Drew Smiley. It wasn't 445 feet with 120 exit below or something. Yeah, that it, was but, a monster but, shot Yeah, on Saturday. And, and, yeah. If Hikishoga hit that ball in any other home run, it wouldn't. It would have probably been an out. Yeah, I, I noticed on the TV broadcast they had said uh, didn't look like there was much on that ball. So uh, great point, but I've never heard that referred to as the uh, as the unicorn. But now I get it. Yeah, and then that's it. So Hendricks went five point two, gave up ten hits, so a lot of hits, four runs. The good thing is no walks because that would have been a disaster in five Ks. Uh, cheers to the bullpen, man. Merriweather, Fulmer, and Alzlai pitching 3.1 innings of shutout ball to allow the Cubs to stay in this one. Now, yeah, bullpen was bullpen was really strong. Really, really strong. Yeah, the offense scored seven runs on six hits. They walked five times, but struck out, Dustin, 11 times. And we're only two for 11 with runners in scoring position. So, I mean, how they won this game, I don't know. But they crappy defense by the Yankees, Crowley. That's how they won. Crappy defense by the Yankees and some time and, and a couple of timely hits. Yeah. Yeah, they scored six unanswered runs. Say Suzuki homered in the fifth to tie it up. His first homer since May 23rd. And again, we are at July 9th here. And so, you know, good on that there. And then they're down four to one in the seventh. The Cubs scored three runs to tie it up, a run scoring ground out by birthday boy Jared Young. Happy birthday. And a clutch two-out, two-run pinch hit single by Jan Gomes to tie it up. The Cubs loaded the bases with no outs in the eighth. Say hits a sack fly to score Mike Talkman to put the Cubs up five to four. But on that play, Nico alertly moved to third and was able to score on a wild pitch by Clay Holmes to make it 6-4 Cubs. If you have a chance, go listen to Pat's call about it because when when – you know, Nico advanced to third on the sack fly. You know, Pat gives one of the, you know, that was a heads up play by Nico. It could lead to a run. And then like the next pitch was a wild pitch. And so six, four Cubs, and they would add an insurance run on a Tucker Barnhart double to make it seven to four. And that's the final score. But I look back at the key, you know, when Pat gives his, you know, turning point moment of the game there, it was that Jan Gomes pinch hit two run double. And Dustin, I know you brought it up here. You brought it up on the Mully and Haw show, arguing with David Haw on this. You felt at times that, that Jan has been the team MVP. And as we close out to this first half, do you kind of still feel that Jan might be the MVP? I don't want any pitchers because I'm one of those guys, Dustin. I hate when pitchers win the MVP award. I right, think well, if we're taking if we're taking the pitchers out, then yes, I could make a case for Gomes, but I could also make a case for Nico Horner because in these couple of games when they have not had the uh, services of Dansby Swanson, didn't miss a beat, right? Didn't miss a beat defensively, um, and you noticed when he was not in the offense for a little bit of time, 
you noticed how much they missed him. But Jan, Jan was definitely the April when they got off to a pretty decent start in April. He was definitely the guy, and he's had a couple of clutch hits lately. So I could make an argument, absolutely. And he's handling, he's handling the staff for the majority, the majority of the time too. Okay, I'm going to get a little crazy. All right, Dustin, let me get crazy here. You mentioned, and I've been noticing the same thing that Nico's defense. Look, he's a, he's a tick below Dansby Swanson, but it's not 100% noticeable. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It is it is really good defense over there. The question is, what do you have with Christopher Morrell? And so if, because honestly, Christopher Morrell is not an outfielder. He doesn't read the ball good off the bat. Um, you know, he, he just not an outfielder. Third baseman, eh, ish. But where you see his strength is at second base. So I'm just sitting here kind of just trying to figure out what, you know, we, we've tried over and over again. What, where do you fit Christopher Morrell in this puzzle if he is something that you feel he's something special with the bat? And I'm thinking to myself, well, could Dansby move? I know they don't like talking about this. Could he move to third, leave Nico at short, and put Morrell at his natural position at second base? Well, I like the crazy, no doubt about that. But if anything, I would be more – I would move Nico to third. I wouldn't move Dansby. I'd move mm. Nico. That's what I would. That's what I would do. But I like. I like. I like where you're going with it. It makes sense. Right. Um, but if you could teach Kyle Schwarber, here's another one though. Like if you could teach Kyle Schwarber to at least play halfway decent left field, I, I, I got to think that you could teach Morrell how to play halfway decent left field. But then the question is, could Ian Happ patrol center field? if you were going to trade Bellinger and if, or, and, or move Bellinger to first base. I, I don't, I, I, I am officially done. I do not want to teach anyone how to play center or serviceable. I want to stud after watching Cody Bellinger first half. I need somebody that knows how to play center. That is so key, so clutch. And it's such a difference that I've noticed in, in the first half of this season. And when we talk about the first half of this season, the Cubs are 42 and 47. There's seven games behind the Red Hot Brewers. So can that continue? There's six games out of the wild card. In the division, they have the Brewers ahead of them and, of course, the Reds in first. And in the wild card, they're going to have to jump five teams. So the question is, how realistic is it that this team becomes buyers? Now, maybe, like we said, maybe they extend Stroman and Bellinger. Maybe they extend one of the two. But if they're going to be – that to me – you know, those would be key, but they'd have to add a couple other pieces. And, you know, a lot of times that involves trades. And I just don't know, in my opinion, if the Cubs are good enough right now as it stands that you want to give away any prospects for a team that really kind of you're thinking might be struggling to produce, uh, you know, to get win enough wins to move ahead in the second half. Yeah, it'd be very difficult. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be a really interesting, you know, from now when they get back to work up until that trade deadline. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Yeah, it's it. Jed get paid the big dollars. Let's see what him and Carter can pull off.